Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. Scripture reading before the lesson comes from Exodus chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. I'll be reading from the New King James. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. She had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And, and so the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and she and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him from the water. Good morning. In about 1908, Anna Mae Jarvis had the idea about Mother's Day, and that part you may already know. Somebody picked up on it, publicized it. And it just swept across everywhere. What you may not know is that as the thing became, became bigger, the celebration of Mother's Day, there's something that bothered Ms. Jarvis, and, and she gave public pushback against it. It was that on Mother's Day, sons and daughters would send a card to the mother, their mother, but that would be it. And Anna Mae said, that's not what I had in mind. What I had in mind was that, was that you'd go and spend some time with your mother. Now, I'm not fussing at anybody in this room right now. I'm just saying that it disturbed her that more attention wasn't paid to the mothers. It's a biblical principle to pay attention to your mother. It's a biblical principle to respect and love your mother. I want to show you some ways that's true this morning. And I want to walk through a number of passages of Scripture. A familiar passage is Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And you know this passage. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long. Now watch this. May live long on the earth. Now, you've read that a hundred times or more. And what I want to show you is that Paul was quoting from Moses in Exodus chapter 20, when Moses was giving the Ten Commandments. But there's a deviation here. What Paul does is to borrow the principle and apply it anew. So what Moses actually wrote was in Exodus 20 and verse 12, that you that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Paul said the earth. Well, those are two different things. What was being promised in the Ten Commandments was about staying in the Canaan, the land of Canaan, the promised land. You want to be able to stay here? Just follow the basic. You know what conservatism is? Conservatism is simply holding to the old principles. It's holding to the moorings that our people have held to, in our case, Christians and the people of God, biblical believers through all time. We're conservatives because of that. All Christians are conservatives. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about we hold to the old book. So Moses said that your days may be long in the land that you're, 
God has given you. But then Paul said that your days may be long on the earth. You see, the principle is right. In a generic, general kind of sense. You want to have a good life? You need to hold to the basic rudimentary principles. You need to need to honor your father and your mother. Last night, we were having our Bible time, and the grandchildren are with us. I was talking to Ezra. I should have asked his permission to tell you this, but I'll ask his forgiveness after we're done. And we asked him about the cross and about Mary and what he remembered about. Do you remember where Mary was when Jesus was dying on the cross? Mm, He wasn't sure. He was at the foot of the cross. And then there's this expression, and if you have children, now Ezra's seven, if you have children, then you've seen this expression. When they learn something about Scripture that they didn't know, and he knows about Jesus, he knows about the cross, but he, I don't know, it just hadn't registered with him about Mary yet. And he looked up at me and he said, she watched her son die? Yeah, buddy, she did. She, she did. And here's what's interesting to me about that. Now, you go back to Luke chapter 2 and verse 35, and Simeon, the priest at the temple, gets to see baby Jesus. And Mary and Joseph bring the baby, and he holds the baby, and he says some things that are just very beautiful about how he's it anticipated, hoping to see the baby. And now, this is the one who's brought salvation to us. But then he turns to Mary, you remember, and says, a sword's going to pierce through your soul also. Now, you know about that. When did that occur? And you'd say, well, it occurred when she was sitting at the foot of the cross. It it occurred there at the cross. Right, but what if you had to put a a pinpoint right to it? When was the moment? And the Bible doesn't say, but I, I would speculate about that. John 19 and verse 27, Jesus said, and Jack read it this morning, that from the cross, in the agony of the moment, when he just had a little breath left in him, there was Mary, Mary's sister, Mary Magdalene, and John, And Jesus says to Mary, woman, behold your son. To John, behold your mother. He adopted out his mother. Now, why is that in the Bible? Why do we have that? And the answer surely has to be that for all time, you and I who are disciples of Jesus Christ, we know that we better take care of our mamas. I understand that that's not the only principle there, but I declare to you that's one of them. He, in that moment, in that circumstance, he took care of his mother. Now, what that teaches us, of course, is is the elevated way that we ought to appreciate our mothers. There's another way I want to show you this. I'm going to take three characters, familiar characters of the Bible, this morning and make observations about each. What each of these three have, Moses, Timothy, and Ruth, those are our three points for the sermon, What they share in common is not only that they are important biblical characters in the great scheme of redemption of the Bible, but that each of them seemed very unlikely candidates for the role they ultimately played. In fact, what we're going to see and be reminded of is that you look through these these three and and it seems impossible, at least practically impossible, that they could, they could, I mean, when they were little, that they could ultimately end up being so significant in the great scheme of redemption. Hardly makes sense. And the bridge in each of the three cases, the bridge that takes them from the unlikely place as infants all the way to being the greats in scripture, well, it's their mothers. Now, we start with Moses in Exodus chapter two. You remember how this goes. It's a terrible time to have a baby. 
You know, it was an awful time because, because the Egyptian king resented the fact that the Israelite, the Hebrews, the slaves in Egypt were growing so fast. And he was afraid that those boys would grow up, those baby boys would become mighty soldiers and one day would turn over Egypt. They would, they would sink his battleship. So he said to the midwives, I want you to, I want, when the babies are born, if it's a boy, anytime it's a boy, just go ahead and kill him then. They wouldn't do it because the Bible says they feared God. Boy, could we use a dose of that today? And so Pharaoh, could we just pause right here and say, mankind can get vile without God. You take God out of the heart of men or let men get rid of God. You ain't seen nothing about how vile and vicious and violent man can become. And Pharaoh says, all right, to his soldiers, just go out throughout the Hebrews and take their baby boys and throw them in the Nile. And there was a cry that came up over Israel. And that was when Moses was born. And so this is no, what are the chances? What are the chances that he's going to be all right? What are the chances? Now, here's Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. I want to pause here for the word beautiful. I think that's a poor translation. Uh, in Acts chapter 7 and verse 20, when Stephen is telling the, the story of Moses and all of this, he's going through relating this account. He says that, that Moses was beautiful, or King James says, a proper child. But, but he said, Stephen says proper to God. It was God who viewed him as a proper child. It was God who viewed him as a beautiful child. Everybody thinks their child is beautiful. Of course, at West Huntsville, it's true, but everybody thinks their child is beautiful. It wasn't that they protected their boy because he was beautiful. There was something else going on here. What was going on is that they had seen the prophecies. They knew that the time was coming to be delivered out of Pharaoh's hand. Enough time as slaves. The time was was here. And so I believe that God communicated with Jochebed that her baby boy was going to be the deliverer of Israel. They saw that he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. Why not? Because, again, I believe God had said to Jochebed and to Amram, your boy is going to deliver Israel. I'm going to raise him up as a leader. Then the next, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather... Now get this, in my Bible, I want to underline the word choosing. Choosing... When he came of age, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Well, you're talking about a lot of money. I mean, you're talking about Egypt. You're talking about the palace. You're talking about little Prince Moses growing up in the the house of Pharaoh. And there's going to come a time when he would choose slavery. He would choose to be part of the slave tribe than to be in power and rich, famous. What kind of force would do that? What kind of force would do that? And the answer is that when you start with, he's probably not going to live because he's going to die in the Nile River. And you take that all, how do you get that all the way to, he's now the, the leader of the people of Israel and he's going to write the Pentateuch, the, the first five books of the Old Testament. And the answer is that, as you know how this goes in Exodus chapter 2, his sister Miriam wonderfully arranges in the providence of God, arranges for Jochebed, Moses' own mother, to be the one who would care to nurse him and care for him. 
in those formative years. How do you like that? So here he was learning Egyptian, learning all about how to be a king, how to be a prince, how to be powerful. And, and in the evenings, you see mama down there with her boy. And she says, let me tell you about, well, it's, you've got the Old Testament. You've read it. You know what they were reading. It, the Old Testament wasn't written yet, but she knew about, about Adam and Eve and the sin of the garden and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Isker, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Joseph, and Benjamin. She knew, and she was teaching those things of God and of righteousness to that little baby Moses, that little boy growing up at her feet. I'm telling you that the bridge between an unlikely fellow who probably isn't going to survive past one year old and him being a great powerful leader in Israel was was his mama Jacobet. It was his mama who was the bridge. Here's the second one. Let's talk about Timothy. Timothy. Now this one takes us first to Acts chapter 16. Talking about Paul. Then he came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Now it seems that, that what happened is that on Paul's first missionary journey, he encounters this young man, Timothy. Now, we don't know a lot about Timothy's beginnings, but we do know this, reading on. Behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, she's a Christian, but his father was a Greek. Now, that's about how much you know about Timothy's daddy. It won't be Timothy's dad who plays a role for Timothy's righteousness. Timothy's going to be a great man, but it's not his daddy. It's his mama. And if you're in this room right now and you're raising your children by yourself without the spiritual involvement or leadership of a husband, take heart. Here's, here's Timothy. Here's Timothy's mama. And so what do you, what do you know about Timothy? Well, the Bible says this in Acts chapter 16, the first missionary journey, then you see him converted apparently by Paul. When you get to the second missionary journey, then you have a lot said about him. So, Look how 1 Timothy chapter 1 begins. To Timothy, a true son of the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God our Father. Now, hold that. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Same thing. To Timothy, a beloved son. Look how Paul, the apostle, how would that be to to have, have your boy treasured? Like Paul treasures Timothy. I mean, this is a big deal. And how do you explain it? This is a, this is a woman, Timothy's mama. Uh, this is Eunice, who uh, Lois, who whose husband is not a believer. So she's raising him in Christ by herself. And yet, here's Paul. When you get to to Second Timothy chapter four and verse nine, which is the the end of Paul's life, the last thing he wrote, and he says to Timothy, "I want you to." Make all diligence to get to me quickly. He wanted to see Timothy. He wanted to see Timothy. That's how close Paul is to Timothy. The old preacher is so close to the young man Timothy, who he calls the son, his son in the faith. Now, how did that happen? How do you go from a mother who's a Christian married to an unbeliever all the way to the apostle Paul loving him as a son and, and trusting him like he does? And the answer is in Second Timothy chapter 1. Next slide. Beginning in verse 3. And here's what Paul says. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. As my forefathers did. Without ceasing I remember you, Timothy, in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you. Being mindful of your tears that I might be filled with joy. 
when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded in you also. Where's the bridge? It's his mama and his grandmama. The bridge between this unlikely person ever amounting to anything in Christ turns into the one we know as Timothy and how important he is, how important he is to Paul and to the kingdom. How did it happen? There it is. Now look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 14. Continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing that knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. From a child. Why are we emphasizing this? It's to say to those of you who are mothers, you must never minimize the weight of what you do in the lives of your children. Many of you have little children in this room. It's just amazing to me that if you you think about a baby in her mother's arms or his mother's arms feeding from her breast and cradled in her arms and she, the baby listens to mama sing and hum and likes to rock going to sleep at night. You know why? Because it's the most familiar thing that baby knows. That baby's been inside that mother's womb for all this time. And don't you know that child listens to mama? The voice most most familiar to that little baby is mama's voice. And what she does when she rocks that baby, of course, and sings to that baby is duplicating what that baby has been accustomed to for a long time now. Isn't that true? Scripture emphasizes the the weight of the influence of mamas on their children. You say you got heavy burdens to bear in your life right now. I understand. I understand. You say, I I worry about my kids. How are they going to turn out? I understand. I understand. And this sermon does not minimize the importance of dads. Of course it doesn't. It is simply to say that Scripture places a great emphasis on mamas and the wonderful influence they have over their children. Let's do one more. Here's Ruth. The book of Ruth is kind of interesting. It's a window in the time, the period of the judges. And I won't talk a lot about that except that somewhere in the, in the period of the judges, you have Ruth and, and how she came to be stuck in there. She's in there somewhere. Now Ruth, Ruth is interesting because she is not a, an Israelite. She's, she's from Moab and she's going to be, can you believe it? in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. She's not even of the chosen people. She's a Moabitess. How is that even possible? Well, the account goes goes like this. So you have this Israelite family, Elimelech and his wife Naomi, and and they are in Canaan land. That's where God has put them. But there's a famine going on there. Now, you remember the cycle of the judges and and you'd have famine and hardship because the people of Israel forsook God. And so the people would get hungry and they would cry out to God and God would send a judge to deliver them and he would give them food again and then they would, they would prosper for a while until they fell out again. But you get one of these weak periods, one of these hungry periods. And so instead of relying on God as he should, Naomi's husband said, let's go to Moab. Moab? Moab is, that's where people live who are against God. These are pagan people. But they had food. And so, he takes his family, got their two boys, Malon and Chilion, 
and they, they go into Moab. And very shortly, dad dies. They got these two little boys, and the boys grow, and they get, you know, ten years is how long Naomi's going to stay there. Ten years. Her boys become adults. They choose wives from, from the Moabites, and, and there you are. Now, there's a fine kettle of fish. That's not what God meant to happen. Some bad decisions, but sometimes from bad comes good. Ultimately, the boys die, and you have three widows. Orpah, Ruth, and Naomi. Naomi says, I can't give you any more. I can't have any more sons to give you husbands. So go on back to your people and fare you well. And, and Orpah says, so, okay, okay. So she, she goes back to the Moabites and that's the book closed on Orpah. But Ruth says, this is, this is the most famous quote from the book of Ruth. And it's in Ruth chapter one. Entreat me not to leave thee or return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. Whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where where thou diest, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. They go to Bethlehem. They go among God's people. You know how this is going to go. Ruth marries Boaz. And Boaz is going to be very important in the genealogy of Jesus because Boaz is the father of... Uh, what's the answer? Mm-hmm. And then Jesse, right? And after Jesse is David. And so what you have is Ruth in Matthew chapter 1. You got Ruth right there in the... Genealogy of Jesus Christ. And how do you explain that? And the answer is, and I know that Ruth, Ruth's mother is not Naomi, uh, um, but here, not her biological mother. She's her mother-in-law. But here also is emphasized the influence that she has over Ruth. Now, we add her then to this, this, uh, this group of people. And the answer is that in each of these three cases, what they have in common is that you have unlikely people who play significant roles in the church, in the righteousness of God in the, the scheme of redemption. The bridge was their mother's. And so we get to, to Matthew or John chapter 19 and you see Jesus and he's on the cross. And in that moment, he pauses to say, behold your son, behold your mother. It is a right thing for disciples of Jesus Christ to respect their mothers. It's a right thing to care for their mothers because that's what our Lord did. To think of her her going near death to bear us, to think about the sacrifices that she made, to think about the sleepless nights and caring for us when we were ill. We, we couldn't have survived without that kind of care. So... Today, we uh, pause to say thank you. I hope we'll make sure that we do that more often than just today. And to those of you who are mothers, we hope this is a wonderful day for you. I wonder if there's someone here today who would like to obey the gospel. This sermon has not been designed to teach people how to become Christians, but to understand this principle, which is that Scripture teaches us so much about how to live 
It teaches us our values. You ought to obey the gospel, to repent of your sins and confess Jesus and to be baptized, to have your sins washed away. Now would be such a great time to do that. If you'd like to study more about that, I'll be happy to study with you privately. We'll learn the gospel. If you need the prayers of the Christians, now's a great time to do that. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.